Welcome to the Mental Models Podcast. I'm George Baxter, and I'm a hedge fund manager for SaberPoint Capital Management. I'm Dan Krawczyk. I'm a neuroscientist and professor at the University of Texas at Dallas. And together we explore mental models. That is how we view the world and what the world gives us for feedback. It's not a brain in a jar. That's the gist. If you've been enjoying episodes of the Mental Models podcast, you'd likely enjoy reading Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision-Making. George and I co-authored this book, Merging Our Knowledge, to provide you with an authoritative guide where our money-related biases come from and also what we can do about them. Material from Understanding Behavioral Bias is now included within the legendary Harvard Case Studies content library. Harvard Case Studies is widely used across the worlds of finance and business, and it's recognized as being one of the top repositories of leading-edge financial content. The book is available in both print and Kindle versions on Amazon. So buy it, read it, and improve your process. Welcome back for another episode of the Mental Models Podcast. I'm George Baxter. Krozik, as always. Yes. And uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about some current events, uh, specifically the election and the news surrounding the vaccine and kind of the psychological and market aspects associated with these developments and uh, some historical perspective around the prior election and uh, what it may mean for uh, the psychology of the market going forward. Yeah, from time to time, we like to do something on current events, this being uh, recorded at the end of 2020, and everyone's thinking about a variety of uh, unusual factors that have come in this year. And uh, this is one of those episodes where we'll we'll just take stock of the situations. I think if people listen to this in the future, there's still a lot of opportunities for lessons here. And we'll talk a lot about analogies. And we've done a prior episode on analogies directly. Um, and we always think in comparisons when we're faced with these new challenges. So uh, let's kind of set the stage about this uh, by looking at the 2016 election. Of course, we all know that uh, it was a surprise to many that Donald Trump won when uh, there were a lot of polls that suggested that Hillary Clinton would be president. And it was very interesting and curious that that evening, when it became pretty clear that Trump was going to take the victory, uh, the futures uh, went down significantly that night, uh, only to rebound in the next uh, for the next day, which led to a significant rally in the stock. Yeah, so an event that was really unpredicted by the vast majority of people, and viewed largely by many people to be a significant negative, because the thinking was that Donald Trump was unpredictable and that he would be disruptive towards markets, uh, that he would perhaps. Uh, enact significant trade barriers uh, and difficult immigration policy, all of which did come to fruition and did create some turbulence along the way. Uh, But at the same point in time, there was this belief that uh, was counter to that, that he would cut taxes and stimulate a large infrastructure spend. The infrastructure spend never came to fruition, but uh, certainly there was a material tax cut that led to a uh, you know, reduction of the corporate rate from about 30, uh, uh, 30 some odd percent down to 21 percent, uh, which is a significant boost to profitability for most, most corporations. Yeah, and we don't, don't tend to talk too much politics on this show, um, but I think it's worth pointing out 2016 was definitely a point where normal shifted. 
and maybe it will always be different now, Trump being so unusual and so unpredictable, right? It, it was, I, I think, just the polls were always thought of as very boring and reliable, and you could you could more or less read the tea leaves from the polls as to how it was going to turn out. Uh, this was a huge change, and then I think for the last four years, we've all had some level of skepticism about polls in this whole year. I think polls have always been footnoted as this this may not work out, right? And, and so much less predictable times, just based on that one election, I think it really changed people. It, it kind of pivoted people's thinking. And there was some justification for that this time as well, because it suggested that Joe Biden would win in a uh, significant landslide, uh, that the uh, Senate would flip to being uh, controlled by the Democrats. There's still some uncertainty associated with that. Yeah, that's still up in the air right now. With the Georgia elections. but And we can talk a little bit more about that, where I think uh, it's not very likely that uh, there will be enough of a shift in the Senate that the more aggressive policies uh, that had been suggested by progressives uh, will be enacted at least within the first couple of years of, of of Biden's first term. And another real deviation from normalcy that came about in 2016, um, I think of it as political theater. You know, if you're following news feeds all the time, you're going to get a lot of talk. And with the Trump presidency, there was more talk than ever, you know, just absolutely off the cuff remarks on a daily basis, some of which did come to fruition and, and certain policy changes occurred. A lot of it didn't and would simply pass along. And so um, I think that introduced some level of uncertainty about what what's what are the real events on the ground. So we like to try to take an economic analysis here to follow more the nuts and bolts of reality that's, that's a little bit less skewed by the sort of political theatrical environment, which we're constantly exposed to at a sort of another level. So there's this disconnect between what's really happening within, say, our economy and what's being said uh, from news feeds, um, which contain all their biases, which um, we certainly talk a lot about bias on the show as well. And then another step further, of course, is the market's uh, interpretation of discounting what it anticipates happening with respect to the economy, because, of course, it's a forward looking mechanism. You know, as, as we came into this election, there was a significant amount of, uh, uh, of hedges or uh, puts on the market that were placed because of concern about the various outcomes that may occur. In our shop, we talked about what the most positive outcomes would be and the most negative outcomes. Uh, and I think these were not too far from consensus. Uh, there was the possibility that Joe Biden uh, has the blue wave where there's a significant and uh, meaningful shift in the Senate and the House where the, uh, the, the Congress is controlled by the Democrats along with the presidency. And a lot of the more significant progressive agenda, reform of health care, uh, perhaps a some some version of the Green New Deal, which is a large infrastructure spend for environmentally friendly policies, uh, and of course a significant tax increases uh, for the wealthy and for corporations, and uh, of course 
the most significant thing for that markets were discounting in a positive way was the notion that you would have a significant stimulus, uh, you know, right now or leading up to the election, uh, the bid and the ask uh, for the stimulus, the you know, a second stimulus to follow the CARES Act. That's really a fourth, but the the, the you know large stimulus response. Uh, the Republican Senate was proposing about $500 billion worth of relief. And initially, the Democrats wanted to have about a $4 trillion package that would have significant uh, funds that would be distributed to states that have incurred high incremental costs, lower tax revenue as a po- uh, because of the coronavirus and also a lot of which are saddled with very heavy pension obligations, which predated the coronavirus. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that the coronavirus at this phase of uh, end of November 2020 is um, really moving through the country at an alarming rate. We're back exceeding kind of March, April type levels of cases. Uh, Amid that, there are Uh, increasingly optimistic reports about vaccines. And we have at least uh, four that are seemingly in play for 2021 um, coming along, notably the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines in the U.S., but many, many others in development. So if you if you follow this, there are, um, you know, it's a worldwide effort and we have there's a a lot of optimism that 2021 is going to start to look really different. There's, of course, a real lag there. You can't distribute a vaccine quickly, so the actual uh, improvement of the situation on the ground is 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 unknown. Yet, um, I think there's maybe some dwindling interest in stimulus because the market's looking beyond the COVID crisis right now. Right, and so coming into the election, uh, you know, you, we had this possibility of a blue wave and a large incremental stimulus that would be enacted once Biden took office uh, because if, if there was control of Congress among the Democrats. And then uh, another alternative was the Republicans retain control of the Senate. Trump wins. That's kind of a status quo. That would be also a positive outcome. The most negative outcome that was foreseen was that you had an undecided election and you had a split Congress. Because if you have a split Congress, then it's very unlikely that we see a lot of momentum with respect to stimulus. And if there is stimulus that's provided, it's much smaller. And the other side of that coin, of course, is the the tax policies would be less likely to come through. But in a world where the government spending has been an, an increasingly important element uh, to stimulate the economy, and, and, and there's a good argument to say that the first round of the CARES Act was enough uh, to provide a spark to the economic engine. Uh, which has performed much better than people anticipated. We, I think we even talked about this podcast that was very unlikely, and I was, it was we, me, uh, <laughs> it was very unlikely that we would see an unemployment rate uh, below uh, 10% uh, until, you know, late 2021. And today, I think it's less than seven. Yeah, and I'll remind our listeners, don't come to us for prognosticating advice on a lot of major issues. I had Pete Buttigieg winning, I think, a year ago, and you said (laughs) Trump would get a second term. So we aren't exactly, uh, you know, fortune tellers here. Yeah, and uh, that's a lesson in and of itself. 
you know, and, and I think this I think this election and the election from 16 are both indicative of uh, the reality that even if you know the outcome, you don't know what the response to the market will be, because, of course, what we had was the worst case scenario. You had the split Congress. You had an undecided election because it was contested by Trump. Uh, it was close enough. And I mean, now I think there's a realization. It's very clear that Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the United States. Uh, the only person that really hasn't. Well, there's 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 about 70 million Americans that that may have uh, an opinion that uh, uh, there there still may be some uncertainty. As to well, yeah, I mean, I think that that is partially the political theater opinion at this point as well. What, what's happening for for political optics may not really be coupled with what what markets are going to do. I, that, that's something you, you try to use as a uh, a tool in your kit to sort of say, well, is this is this for some positioning reasons? I, my own sense is that you know Trump probably can never let this go and won't let this go. But um, looking at what others are doing, especially how Republicans are responding and the response has been kind of silence, which is not different than endorsement right. <laughs> of the theory that he, that Trump won. That's why we're, I think we can probably discount that. Outcome. We can probably discount that outcome, but, but nonetheless, in the first few days, it was not quite as clear as it is now. There's been definitely a lot of uh, failed attempts by uh, the Trump administration with respect to its legal endeavors to uh, overturn some of the votes that were cast. Yeah, and we often think in comparisons, uh, Bush v. Gore in 2000 has been brought up a number of times, and there's just many reasons why um, that was a very different situation than this. Contested election doesn't doesn't equate to just like the other contested election. You know, in that case, it was just down to Florida and um, a much, much smaller number of votes. And of course, the Supreme Court ultimately weighed in to stop recounts, but there really was a lack of clarity from the Florida election, the hanging Chad situation. They can think back that far, and we just don't have that currently. But coming into the election, the, there was there was this uh, a fair amount of insurance that was bought to protect against a very undesirable outcome. But again, uh, there was a resolution, and we did have a rally immediately after uh, the conclusion of the election. And it's simply that you have an unwind of all this insurance uh, that had been taken out off of a negative effect, even though the outcome was probably less a less desirable one, you still had a rally in the stock market. And then shortly thereafter, as Dan had mentioned, uh, we had the vaccine news. And despite the fact that we see increasingly problematic short-term issues associated with a surge in the COVID second wave. The market is looking through that and anticipating that in six to 12 months, there will be a lot more normalcy uh, and a recovery. Uh, but the economic pain that may be, that may, you know, and fallout or scarring that could occur in the interim without a stimulus, the market has not really uh, taken that into account. And we may see more of that as the case counts continue to rise, the death counts increase as hospital capacity uh, becomes strained, particularly in places like the Midwest. But for now, it seems like uh, the market is still in this positive uh, trend that continues where uh, there's a willingness to take risk. 
if we look at things like the VIX indicator, which is a measure of predicted volatility, the VIX has come on significantly uh, back to the low 20s uh, from the low 30s uh, and high 20s. Uh, uh, If you look at junk bond uh, spreads, those are very, very tight. The St. Louis Fed uh, stress indicator you know, is very, very low. And there is a high, if you look at sentiment indicators for market participants, people are very bullish. And uh, there's a high degree of optimism. Now, me being a bit of contrarian, that makes me very nervous uh, because there's an anticipation. You typically have a seasonal effect in the market where uh, whatever trend you had coming into Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, you know, during closing out the year, that trend tends to continue as kind of the sentiment of the market right now. You're in a positive trend. Uh, there's an unwind that it has occurred with respect to a lot of the protection that was put on in the form of uh, of options uh, that would protect from a significant downdraft. And usually market makers will have a short position that they put on so to cover any puts that they've sold. So as people take those puts off, those shorts get bought, it drives the market up, and there's certainty that returns. And so a lot of that uh, has been a contributing factor to the buoyancy of the market. But as we get into uh, Christmas and holidays, usually the market continues whatever trend it had coming into the end of the year. Uh, What makes me personally nervous, though, is the level of optimism that you have and the fact that this Christmas, it's likely that consumer spending will be affected by the increased prevalence of COVID. So we might have a very bumpy short-term ride. And will the market continue to look through uh, that into a brighter future? There's been a lot of that that has already happened prior to the pandemic reaching its apex, which will probably won't happen until early next year. Yeah, and there does tend to be a, a general optimism bias that we see, and it, it certainly seems to be the case this year. This is probably the weirdest holiday season we may have had in our lifetimes. With 2020 is probably the weirdest year yeah. that we've had, <laughs> probably our lifetimes. I can't think of a year. I mean, there was 9-11 and uh, you know, 2001, which was pretty crazy. I mean, I, I that was that, and that was much more acute in terms of the particular days that surrounded 9-11. But uh, this is definitely one for the history books. And it'll be something that'll be remembered by everybody. As far as the market's concerned, it's interesting because of the effects. And we'll probably uh, follow up with another podcast about some of the reactions that you've seen and the pushes and the pulls from COVID beneficiaries those companies that actually have had benefits associated uh, with COVID as there's been shifts and demand to more digital and online uh, and and more uh, focus on uh, being at home versus those names that will benefit as things return to normalcy. Yeah, and we're already starting to see that um, just as people consider where we're headed from now. I think the vaccine's emerging probably has the biggest influence here because a whole variety of, of industries are, are going to come back and it, it would be a great time to, to buy them. 
with that in anticipation. But uh, that's not happened yet. And then we we start to get into the timing of everything with how how much does it actually um, come back and at what pace. So I think that's a good place for a future episode. Yes, definitely. So we'll follow up with how some individual stocks and industries are reacting to uh, the uh, these developments as they occur and we look forward into the future. But as we come into the end of the year, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. It has uh, There's been a lot more buoyancy to the market than I would have anticipated, given that we have not had a stimulus. You know, here we are in November and you haven't had the bailout uh, that you know I think was largely anticipated and was being discounted. The reality is, though, is that the economy itself has been robust. You have had uh, consumers in a much better position than they have been in a long time. And the irony is, is they're just not spending on things like vacations that can be quite expensive. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Personal expenses are down, I think, in many ways, because there's just so many places we spend money that we're not doing because we're just not out and about to the level we'd be normally. Yeah. Uh, exactly. And so now that uh, that's the case, people's balance sheets are quite flush. And uh, you can see that reflected in the housing market, which is returned to new highs. People wanting to get out of the city, having been trapped, uh, you know, perhaps in an apartment and having to quarantine there with very little space and then having uh, the financial means to make down payments on much more affordable, lower interest rates. Uh, interest rates being such a, a powerful component. So there are lots of lots of different moving parts here. And uh, we'll see as things return to normal, do balance sheets come under more pressure? And do we see some of these benefits really fade and some of those things that were really harmed by it uh, end up having a renewal? Yeah, that's the fascinating aspect of the future. We've talked about the COVID situation as almost being an accelerant for certain trends we were already seeing a lot of online shopping, for example, but uh, certain things will um, fade as well after we're through this crisis, whenever that might be. Yes. All right. We'll talk to you next time. Sounds good. Thank you for spending your time listening to the Mental Models Podcast. Content matters because your brain does not exist in a job. Please subscribe and like Mental Models Podcast. The five-star book, Understanding Behavioral Bias, A Guide to Improving Financial Decision-Making, is available through Amazon. This book will help you overcome the biases that are keeping you from investing success. The Mental Models Podcast can be found on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Please subscribe and thank you for listening.